0: You know, as we wait on the Lord, I know a lot of you have gone through conflict in the last several months in your families, but I want to give you good news. If you've gone through conflict in your family in the last three to four months, maybe with your parents or siblings or children, I believe that God's favor is for you. I believe that what is broken, God can turn and make whole again. So if that word is for you, just take that home today and say, you know, from my house, God is going to restore that what is broken in my relationships. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team, this morning. It's so great to seek God and to be with you this morning. This morning, I want to talk to you about pathways to peace. In the last six months or so, a lot of us have been walking on new paths, haven't we? We're going to new places. And often these pathways have been outside of our control. I mean, have you ever tried to homeschool three different children, three different grades, on three different devices at the same time? Like, that's a good picture of not being in control of the situation. And that was a part of my wife's story, my story. It wasn't simple. And I know that my peace was tested every day between 9 a.m. and 11.30. How's your life? How's your peace? Has it been tested? Some of you lost your jobs. Uh, some of you lost income. Some of you had to change careers. Many of you went through a lot of changes. Some of you were forced into isolation from your family and friends. But today, I want to remind you number one, that God loves you, number two, God is good. And three, he wants to give you his peace. Now, the only way that we can go somewhere with God, there's a word in the Bible to describe this. There's only one way to go somewhere with God. And Bible says it's by faith. So today, by faith, we're going to learn the pathways of peace together. So by faith means trusting God. Hebrews eleven six. I love this verse in the New Testament. It says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So before we get started today, if you're here, you probably already believe in God or you're seeking him. If you're watching online, you're thinking about God or you already believe in him. So that's where we start is we believe that God is and that he will bless us if we seek him because he's good. So God is asking you and me this morning, will you trust me? It comes down to that, doesn't it? Are we going to trust God or not? Who will you trust in this season? That's the question on the table this morning. You know, I got to practice this in a small way. Can I tell you a little story, funny story? Uh, my wife and I were wanting to get a, uh, replace our vehicle. And so we looked for a month or two. We prayed about it. And we waited and we found a vehicle, this SUV that we really wanted. It was about two hours from here. I called the guy on the phone and it was excellent. And, you know, my wife loves Africa. And the uh, salesman said some of the wood inside of the vehicle is actually real wood from Africa. And, of course, my wife said sold, you know, like she wanted that car. And so we, uh, we said, great. I said, on Friday, in three days, we'll be uh, to visit you and look at it, do a final test drive, and most likely we'll purchase the vehicle. He said, great. Do you want to make a deposit on that vehicle? I said, probably not. It'll just be a few days. He said, okay. But if someone walks on the lot and gives me cash, I got to let it go. I said, okay. So my wife said, you better get that guy some money. I, and I went to work, I, I, uh, I remembered, I texted the salesman and said, oh yeah, my wife and I would like to put a little money down as a deposit to save that vehicle. He said, you do? He goes, that's a problem. Because that car is being test driven right now by somebody else. And my heart just went like this. Because <laughs> you know, you really want something and when it's gone, you really notice that you really wanted it. And he said, I'm gonna hang out here for an hour. If that person decides to walk off the lot and doesn't purchase it, I'll throw a sold sign in it and you call me and we'll put a deposit on this vehicle. And all of a sudden, I really wanted this vehicle. Now, this is a natural thing. This isn't some big spiritual uh, story, but it's a practical story of God asking me, Mark, do you want this vehicle? I knew it was in our budget. I knew we had saved for it. And God says, Mark, do you want it? I said, well, Lord, I do, is that bad? Does it feel weird to be selfish, uh, to want something? And God said, well, if you want it, ask for it. So in my office at the end of the church, I stood up. There was no one here. And me and God had a conversation about wanting this vehicle. And he said, "Okay, good. And then I sat down. I still had to wait another half hour. My my heart's just going up and down. I can just see someone driving off in it down the road. And the phone rang. And the salesman said, Mark, are you still interested in that car? And I said, I am. He said, Good. Because that other gentleman left, and you can have it if you want it. I said, amen. My wife and I clapped our hands, and today we're driving the vehicle. Now, why do I tell you that story? Uh, just because it's a natural example of testing both your faith and your peace. Because it's funny how even a car, my peace was being up and down tested. So it shows you I've got some, some learning to do. I've got some growth to do. I used a natural example because sometimes I can have great faith for others, But when it comes to myself, unfortunately, I don't have great faith. And that's something that God can help me with to be more mature. You know, peace is often waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Peace is often waiting on God to fulfill his promises. And that's the hard part, isn't it? It's the waiting. How many of you are good at waiting? It's not an easy art to learn. It's called practice. Let's read Psalm 23, 1 through 6. This is one of my favorite passages. It's one of the most famous, if not the most famous, passage in Scripture. I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 23, verse 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, how many would receive the promises of that verse in their life. Amen. That's the goodness of God, isn't it? In fact, it's so much goodness, it says that your cup runs over. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And here's the question. Will you allow Jesus to shepherd your soul? See, Jesus is the shepherd of this passage. We find out in the New Testament that Jesus is the good shepherd. He gave his life for you so the question is, will you allow Jesus to shepherd your soul? And I use the word soul specifically because in the, in the, the Hebrew word for soul there, it doesn't just mean like we think in, in Western culture, oh, it's just my emotional life, my passions. Although it does include that. But you know, to the Hebrew, the, the, the word soul is your entire life. It's not only just your emotional life, it's your mental life, your physical life, your financial life, your relational life. Your relational life. So what God is saying is here, Jesus wants to shepherd your entire life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm good at giving God certain portions of my life, but not allowing him to shepherd other areas. What Jesus is asking today, will you, will you let him shepherd your entire life? Do you, does Jesus have keys to every room in your house? Because if you give him the keys, he promises for the upgrade. He promises for the overflow. The choice is, will you let him? He's waiting for an invitation today. And if you let him, he will bring the peace to your life. See, here's the point. We all allow something to shepherd our soul. Each one of us here today is allowing something to shepherd your soul. Is it someone who's shepherding your soul? Is it something? We have a choice You could allow fear to shepherd your soul. You could allow a past traumatic event to shepherd your soul. You could allow the economy to shepherd your soul, your boss, whoever you work for. These are our choices, but you know what? They all make poor substitutes for the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That's where I'm talking about choice. What are you going to allow to to shepherd your soul today? So he wants to do these things in your life, but he's asking for an invitation. So today, I hope before you leave this place and the rest of the day, you're going, Jesus, I give you permission to shepherd my soul. I give you permission to fill my life with peace. I give you permission to overflow my life with your goodness. Align my life, God, with you. That's the choice that we can make. See, God wants to enjoy his time with you. You know, I used to think God was this big, scary guy, kind of like a cloud in the cartoons, up, you know, with lightning, and he would just kind of zap you if you got caught. I really like this Jesus guy because he was so cool and he died for me. But God, whoo, don't mess with this guy. He's so high. He's so holy. But what I learned once I read the Bible, it's very clear that God's whole story is love. That's the Father's heart. He wants to bring peace to you. The Bible says that he wants to bring righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit to your life. So are you lacking joy today? Are you lacking peace? Are you lacking righteous living? That means right living with God. If you are, Good news is we can trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit will come and begin to change us. I've told some of you this before, but when God called us uh, to live in Africa, um, we went. And when we got there, the directors let us use their house for free. And it was a beautiful seven bedroom home with a pool and a water fountain. And it had a pool house. And I said, God, is this, you called us to Africa? And he said, do you have a problem with it? I said, No. In fact, I'm going to enjoy this. He said, good, because it's a gift. It's favor in your life. I didn't earn that. It was a gift. See, God actually wants to enjoy his time with you. He's not upset with you. God's not angry with you because of Jesus. He loves you. And yes, we go through hard times. Yes, we go through good times. But the whole time, God says, you know what? I love you so much. You're my child. You're my favorite. You're in the family. Let's hang out together. Let's talk about it. That's the kind of relationship that God is offering to us. He wants to impart peace to you. Because as Pastor Randy Cox said last week, once something gets inside of you, it can flow from you to people. So we got to increase peace in here. Why? Because the world out there is waiting for peace. Whatever you have in here, you can export out. So we need to get hungry for the peace of God because the world is hungry for it. So step one on this pathway to peace, this is step one. Humble yourself and make Jesus Christ your shepherd. The Bible says if you humble yourself, the Lord will lift you up. Step one, humble yourself. That means to think of yourself appropriately like Jesus thinks about you. Whatever God says about you is true. Think that about yourself. Admit to yourself and to God and to another human being any sins, any problems in your life. Go to God. Confess them to God. Confess them to a trusted brother or sister in Christ. The Bible has lots of promises for those who confess their sins. It's not supposed to be an embarrassment. It's supposed to be a pathway to peace with God. God already knows about your sin. This is just a time to be honest. Be honest. So I encourage you, take that step, humble yourself, and say, Jesus, be my shepherd. Jesus, be my leader. Because God wants to restore and refresh your soul. He wants to do that in you. You know, God has um, taken my wife and I many places. We started in Richland, Washington, and then God said, how about Seattle, Washington? We said, okay. After that, God said, how about Africa? And we said, yes, And then after that, we moved to Spokane, and God led us to Spokane, where where I was born and raised with my family. And then after that, working together with Pastor Kevin and Cherry, God moved us here to Belleville, and we've been here now over five years, awesome years. God has led us in many places. See, God wants to take your hand. Your story will be different than mine, but he wants to take your hand and walk you places. Pathways of peace, But the only way to do that is by faith. We can't earn it. We can't make it happen. We have to wait on God and say, when God says go, we go. When God says stay, we stay. When God says speak, we speak. We trust him. So the question is today, where does God want you to walk with him? Where is God calling you to walk? The Holy Spirit knows the answer. You can know the answer. We have to ask ourselves that question. You know, God doesn't want you to lack in any area of your life. That's what the scripture said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or want. The same word there. Ask God to walk you from lack to plenty. Would you like to have more plenty in your life and less lack? It's a good question. God is desiring to see his goodness and his loving kindness in your life because he wants to make your life a testimony to the world. He wants to show off through you so you have a story to tell. Will you let your life be the story? Will you be the example of the goodness and favor of God, of hope and peace? You know, uh, for an example, for the past two years, Katrina and I asked ourselves and said, God, how do we go into plenty from lack in our finances? Good question. So we started praying about it. We started reading the Bible. And specifically about seven months ago, we came to a conclusion that something was missing in our financial life. And if I can just be uh, transparent with you, we weren't happy about it. Not that we weren't uh, making enough income or something like that, but we just knew according to the promises of the Bible, that we weren't in any overflow. It almost felt lack. Although, I mean, we always were able to pay our bills. We always had food. We always had a home, just like God promised. But Let me share this with you. There's three places you can live with God in finances. And think about your own life and where you at right now. I'm just using this as an example because finances are easy to talk about because they're, they're, they, you can count them. They're they're visible. Are you living in the land of not enough? That's a metaphorical Egyptian land where, where the Egyptian or the Hebrews were in slavery. Slavery. Are you living in a land of not enough? There's just never enough by the end of the month. Two. Are you in the land of just enough? Meaning yes, I, I, just paying it. Everything's okay, but there's no overflow. That would be like when the Hebrew people came out of Egypt out of bondage and they started living in the desert. God provided for them every day. They always had their food. They had protection. They had life. But remember in the Bible, there's always a story of the promised land, isn't there? That's the land of more than enough. You know, Jesus never lacked anything. He wasn't walking around Galilee going, I just hope we can f- figure out how to do dinner tonight. I hope, you know, I can pay the temple tax. You know, the Bible says he never worried about this stuff. In fact, one time he just said, Peter, can you just go down and catch the first fish? There's going to be a coin in the mouth to pay the tax for you and I. So Jesus never struggled with money. He wasn't worried about it. So what land are you living? The land of not enough, just enough, or the land of plenty, the land of more than enough. And Katrina and I sat, I remember the day. Weeks ago, we sat in our bed and we said, Lord, we admit that we're in the land of just enough and it's not lining up with the scriptures. We want you to shepherd us, take us to the land of plenty. We did it by faith. If you're married, do it by faith together. If you're single, just say it to the Lord. And God has been so faithful to start teaching us. We called people who had more financial wisdom than us. We read books. We prayed. God challenged us to increase our giving. And we did all those things. And the cool story is we've had more uh, revenue and increase in our lives since that time than we have in our entire life. In fact, I remember sitting in the office going, Lord, what's the problem here? I'm frustrated. The word says I should have plenty, but I'm in land of just enough. And I brought it to the Lord that day. My wife got a phone call and a full time contract from her employer. And God's like, how's that? Is that enough? See, I was kind of getting whiny with God and I think he was trying to teach me something because he's not lacking. So God was trying to teach us that. But the moral of the story is, what area in your life, maybe it's not finances, maybe it's relationships, emotional life, your mental life, where are you lacking? And would you invite the great shepherd to come in and lead you through it? Because he will invite him in. You need to ask him. You need to be very specific with God. Don't say general, say specifically. If you have a challenge in a relationship, name the relationship, bring it to God, write it down, put it in your Bible, and then wait on God. Okay, so the first step was to humble ourselves and ask God. The second one is really important. It's to think up, not down. Think up, not down. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what robs peace is when we get into our stinking thinking. When we get into that bad thinking, we think about all the negatives, all the what ifs. Our peace just starts getting robbed. The Bible says, think up, not down. This is what what we should think upon. This is where I totally get excited because it's so practical. Number one, steer your thoughts into the Bible every day. Steer your thoughts into what this says. Number two, steer your thoughts into the promises of God. What has God promised you? Think on those things. Number three, steer your thoughts into the character of God. I love this. If God is good, he's good. And you can tell yourself five times a day, you know, this is a rough day, but my God is good. Jesus is good. The Holy Spirit is good. And he's going to get me through this day. I can trust him. What you're doing is you're leaning in to the character of God because God will never lie to you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to turn his back on you. But he'll take your hand Walk you through the garden on pathways of peace. All we have to do is ask. Say, Jesus, I give you permission. I'm ready. And then you just buckle up and hold on because you don't know how crazy the goodness of God will be in your life. You don't know. But you can give him that permission. So if you're lacking in any areas, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to overflow. You can go into a training time. And you know what? It doesn't have to be microwave Christianity. My good friend uh, Desi always said, have you ever tasted a Thanksgiving turkey that cooked in the microwave? And I kind of looked at him. And he said, no, of course not, because nobody does that. Thanksgiving turkeys are not meant for microwaves. They're slow roasted. Okay, or covered with bacon or whatever you do at your house. Many things in our life were never meant to be fast. Let God take the time to do it right and go deeper in your soul. You know, one of these challenges that comes from a scripture like this, because it's so good, I want to challenge you to stop looking for barely getting by. I want to challenge you to stop praying uh, the small prayers and say, God, you know, if you really love me, just help me finish this little bit. Because what you're doing is you're making God as small as your problem. Instead, start with the character of God and say, God, because You own a cattle on a thousand hill because you get the give me the power to get wealth because you are good all the time. I want to ask you and then fill in the blank and I thank you for it. I receive it by faith in Jesus name. You know, uh, in 2001, I was in a beautiful island in Anacortes, Washington. There's all the San Juan Islands below Vancouver, and I got invited to a leadership camp. And uh, they said, Mark, we're, there's 14 of us. We're going up to this beautiful home and this leadership company is paying for everything and you just get to go through all these challenges and learn all this stuff about leadership. I said, it's free? They said, yeah, they're going to sponsor you. I said, let me think about it. Okay, I'm going. So here we are in beautiful, overlooking the San Juan Islands. It's up on top of the mountain, a 20,000 square foot mansion, custom home looking out over the hills. And I'm thinking, this is good. And yes, God was working on me and teaching me things. And one of the instructors said, here's the challenge. We want each of you to feed a low-income family. Somehow you're going to get enough groceries, enough food to service one of the low-income families in our area. There's no rules to it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You just got to make it happen. So we got into prayer circles. I worked with four or five guys, and there was like three pods of us. And we prayed, and we said, God, can you help us today to feed a family? But you know what happened in that moment? God corrected me personally. He, he rebuked me. He said, Mark, why are you asking so small? It was as if the God of the universe, he, he said, you're only going to ask for one family. I said, pardon me. So we asked for three families and, and all three were fed and the other groups did theirs too. But it's an example is when, when we think small, I think God says, come on, remember who you're talking to here. Let's ask up. And it doesn't have to be about selfish things. It can just be the goodness of God. So ask up this week. See, we often make mistakes where we're doing one good thing, but our mind takes us to another place. You know, if you're driving down the road, going in a direction, and you focus so much on the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? Right? That's, That's how life works. Try to focus on one thing at a time. If God gives you an instruction, if he gives you a training, you don't have to do 50 things, do the one thing that God told you to do and let the peace and favor of God come to your life. So let's just talk about this in a basic way. Number one, invite Jesus to be the shepherd of your life. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life, humble yourself today and say, Jesus, be my shepherd. Jesus, be my God, be my leader. I give up. I'm not smart enough. I can't do it on my own. I my life has become unmanageable. I can't solve my own problems. I need God and Jesus will come in. He will forgive you of your sins and teach you how to live a righteous life Two, think up, not down. Where's your mind been? Is your mind been down on the dirt or up in the sky? Because Jesus Christ is Lord of the heavens and the earth and he wants you to think about him. So I know that you've been through a lot in the last several weeks. I know that you might be frustrated by living in lack and you feel like you haven't got your breakthrough. But today's message is to encourage you that the pathways of peace are for everyone. That God is not a respecter of persons. Our job is to show up and say, you know, when you're a kid, you say, pick me, pick me. Guess what? God already picked you. God already sent Jesus Christ for you. His power is not weak. His right hand is strong. He can fulfill his promises in your life. Our job is to receive it. So could you stand with me this morning? And if you're home right now and watching this or in your car listening, I want, to, I want you to put your faith on right now. I want you to, to, to look to God and begin to invite him to be your shepherd. I want you to humble yourself and say, God, I give up, but I'm ready for my breakthrough. I'm ready to move from the land of lack, the land of just enough, and I'm ready to go into the land of plenty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ our peace. Peace is a person. You're the peace, Jesus. And we welcome you. I welcome you, Jesus, right now to be the shepherd of my soul my entire life to lead and to guide me in pathways of peace. We pray for everyone a part of this service right now that they will let go of trying to be the captain of their own ship, and they will allow Jesus Christ to be the leader. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, your favor, your peace, your joy, and your righteousness in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We love you. We'll be back next week uh, online and in person. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Hey everybody, Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless you.